Well, we're going to continue with our, our uh, series, the book of Acts. We've been in chapter two for two weeks. This will be week three in chapter two. I mean, enjoying the series so far. Come on, somebody. You should have got a handout when you walked in today. Um, and, and hopefully you're using your binders and uh, hopefully you haven't lost your binders because I paid money for those binders. You know, so, you know so keep your binder and fill your binder. And anyway, hold your binder till there's no binder left and all that good stuff. So we, we're, we're going to continue. I told you we weren't going to get in a rush. Um, I told you I wasn't, I wasn't going to push the series through Acts. I was going to take our time. And, and this is week three in chapter two. And I got news for you. We're probably going to go week four in chapter two. It's just chapter two is just so good. It's like a pivotal. I said this last week. It's a pivotal chapter in the body of Christ is Acts chapter two. Because what you see in Acts chapter 2 is that the power that was on Jesus has now been poured out on the believers, and the believers are starting to step out in boldness. So last week I told you, I said, as, as we go through this, you're going to see some transitions happen. You're going to see some, some change happen. Um, I've, I've made this statement several times. Uh, people ask me, how do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? And, and the, the greatest answer is, is, are you seeing change in your life? Amen. And so, so just a quick review from last week's message. Um, we, we learned that there was a transfer of power. It was the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus with the same power that was on Jesus got transferred to the apostles or the disciples or the followers or the believers, just not to get too technical, but, but that same spirit with the same power was transferred to the believers. And it's still true today. We, we can operate, we can walk in, we can live in the same Holy Spirit and the same power that Jesus has. Amen. You gotta get this. You're not a weak individual. Not as long as you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. You've got power from on high. He gives you the ability to take your natural gifts and make them supernatural, right? And so we talked about there was a transfer of power. And then last week, I shared with you about how important your stories are with a point called super stories. And I gave you this statement. It says that, that get good at declaring your story of God, and the Holy Spirit will get you good at leading people to Jesus, we, we, we learned where the, the, the tongues had broken out in the apostles, the 120, and, and all, the, all the Jews came running to hear what was going on. They all heard them speaking or declaring the wonderful works of God in their own language. Remember that? And it, it, it amazed them. It stopped them in their tracks. It made them look inwards. It made them realize they were empty and all these other things. And your story is valuable. What is your story? Your story is the story when you met God. Your story is the story of your relationship with God, however significant it is, however big or small, or it doesn't always have to be wrapped up in addiction and drugs and abuse. It can be a simple story. I was raised right, but I was full of pride. And I met Jesus and he killed my pride, right? So your story is your story. Share your story. It prepares the way for the gospel to come along. I, I, I gave a statement last week, and it wasn't on the screens for the first service, but it was for the second. So just in case you missed it, I want to give it to you again. It was this, is that one must first recognize his emptiness before he can expect to be filled. A man full of himself recognizes no emptiness for Jesus to fill. Isn't that good? And so today I want to look at the first message preached 
by someone other than Jesus who is spirit-filled. Think about this. Here's the first message, the first church, come on somebody, with a spirit-filled pastor. This is good. I don't know if that amazes you. I think it's pretty cool. We get to read. I'm glad Luke wrote it down, right? So last week we saw how our story preps the ground for the gospel. The wonderful works of God lead to the good news of Jesus. And so the title of today's message is Preach Preacher. So look at your neighbor, if you got one next to you, and say preach. Preacher. So let me give you four points today, four things that I've, that I've pulled out of chapter two. And like I said, we'll come back next week and wrap up chapter two, and then we'll move on to chapter three. The, the first thing I want us to notice is that there's a new boldness, a new boldness. Watch this in verse 14. It says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I think that last sentence is pretty hilarious. I just see somebody from Mamu going, nine o'clock's too early. We wait till 10. Anyway. But watch what happens here. You, you're starting to see this new boldness appear. Think about this for a minute. Remember, Pentecost means 50, right? 50 days after Jesus was crucified. What happened right before Jesus was crucified? What happened to Peter? Peter denied Jesus three times, right? So, so we picked this, we, we, Peter's story kind of stops before the crucifixion with him denying Jesus three times. The rooster crows, Peter runs off, goes back fishing, goes back to his old habits. Come on, somebody. Jesus raises from the grave. He calls Peter to himself, restores his relationship with Peter. And now 40-something days, 50 days after that, who's stepping forward to preach? Peter, the same guy who denied Jesus three times. Wow. You're seeing a new boldness happen. Watch this. Peter, the Bible says, stepped forward. That the word here in the Greek is the word stanch. S-T-A-N-C-H. It means this. It means to cause to stand. This is important. You got to get this. Peter stepped forward. Some other translations say he stood there and preached. But that word means stanch. It means to cause to stand. So let's look at the word cause for just a second before we get a little further. It's, it is the pushing of the Holy Spirit on a willing believer to do something. You, you should know this. If you've been here long enough, God's not going to just all of a sudden possess you. You're going to be walking through Walmart and just bust out in tongues. That's not going to happen. Okay? It's not going to happen. But what, what happened with Peter here? It's worth explaining. It's worth talking about. He was caused to step forward. He was caused to be bold, bolder than he's ever been before. How does that happen? Anybody ever wonder? How does it happen? Well, number one, God's always looking for a willing servant, a willing servant, someone who says, Lord, I am yours today. Lord, I want to be used by you today. Lord, use me however you see fit. I'm not going to put no parameters on this. I'm not going to put no, 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 no guidelines on this. However you want to use me today, Lord, use me. He goes, okay, <laughs> I'm going to cause you to do some things because you're willing it's a push by the Holy Spirit on a willing believer to do something. You see it? 
But if you're not willing, ah, if you're not willing, would he cause you to do anything? Do you know you can live unwilling? Do you know you can live reluctant to God? You can come to church, sing all the songs you want to sing, laugh, dance, cut up, be in a life group. You can do all these outside things. But if your heart's not willing for God to use you, then he'll never use you. But boy, if you're willing for him to use you, he's looking for that. Amen? So this boldness that we see, the definition of boldness, watch this. This comes out of the um, Webster's 18, I think it's 1806 dictionary. Here's the definition of boldness. It's freedom from timidity and bashfulness. It means to have courage. Watch this. It means to border on the edge of disrespect. Oh, yeah. So if, if boldness was in these two parameters, if this was one edge of boldness and this was one edge of boldness and next to it was disrespect, it would be right here on this line. You would be right here. That's, what, that's the boldness that Peter's using right here. It's on the edge of disrespect. It's so confident and so strong and so, so not timid and so not bashful and bold that it's bordering on the edge of disrespect. It's not disrespectful, but it's bordering on that edge. This is important because we got to come to an understanding that we're on this planet as representatives of God. We're not here to represent the earth. We're here to represent heaven, right? We got the goods. The world doesn't. So why do we keep bowing down to the world and being timid with the world? We need to be bold, bordering the edge of disrespect. I got what you need. Come on. I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. <laughs> if you care more about what people think than where they're going, they're not the only ones with a problem. It's time to stop caring about what other people think. Amen? It's time to stop worrying about what they're saying because chances are they're probably not saying anything. And if they are saying something, then they're worth listening to anyway. Just give them the gospel and walk away. Then they got to deal with it. So, so watch this. If you have Jesus, your destination is heaven, and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you have an obligation with an anointing to preach to the lost no matter what. How many times do we read in the Gospels where Jesus would send them into, into countries that they, were, they, were, they had major race, race issues and race tension? How many times did Jesus say, you need to cross those boundaries and you need to bring the gospel, the love of God into every area, no matter what? So the Holy Spirit took Peter's timidness and turned it into courage, and he'll do the same thing for you and me, if you're willing. Key word, willing. But I'm going to tell you, we got to learn how to pray a little bit different in the Mernons. Lord, would you use me today? Lord, I surrender to you today. Lord, I give up my life to you today. You be the Lord, not me. Use me however you see fit. Start praying that way and see what he does. 
So Peter addresses the obvious and digs into the past to set the record straight. He deals with the drunkenness right off the get-go, which I think was pretty obvious. Okay, we're not drunk. They were praying in tongues, and some, some naysayers came. There's always going to be naysayers, right? There's always going to be. So, so, so the Bible's already told you that there's going to be people that are going to say things about you. Okay, so prepare your heart. Get over it, right? Like, just get over it. Like, in fact, I go, if they're not talking about me, then I must not be saying the right things. Because if everybody likes me, I'm in trouble. Okay. So Peter addresses the obvious, and what we're getting ready to see is he's going to dig into the past to straighten the record out. He pulls from the Old Testament a prophecy from Joel. Watch this. My second observation is this, is that there's a servant's reward. So the first thing we see is a new boldness. The second thing we see is that there's a servant's reward. Watch this in verse 16 to 21. He says, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, by the way, this right here was the beginning of the last days. Just side note, this was the beginning of the last days. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon who? All people, right? So watch this. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So what is he saying? I will pour out my spirit on who? Men, women, young, and old. All of us. <laughs> Watch verse 18. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So like I said, this is the beginning of the last days. The spirit is being poured out on those who would align their lives to be servants of Jesus. Who is God going to pour his spirit out on? Well, it can be a man. It can be a woman. It can be a young man or a young woman. It can be an old man or an old woman. So that, what does that tell me? That you're not too young for God to use you and you're not too old for God to use you. Come on, somebody. But, but, but here's the important part. He's going to pour it out on his, who? His servants. So the spirit is being poured out on those who would align their lives to be servants of Jesus. Huh. When's the last time you looked at your calendar and said, you know what? We need to put Jesus on there first. When's the last time you woke up in the morning and said, Lord, whatever you want me to do first. Who would align their lives to be a servant of Jesus every day? That's who he's going to pour his spirit out on. I'm going to show it to you in just a minute. A servant is a person, male or female, that attends another for the purpose of performing menial offices for him or who is employed by another for such offices or for other labor and is subject to his command. A servant is one who is willing to do whatever the other person would ask. There's that word again, willing. So let me explain to you the Holy Spirit real quick. The Holy Spirit, he's the same, he's the same as God. Remember, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit form the Trinity. They're one and the same. They have the same will, the same purpose, the same mindset, the same game plan. They're all going to get there to the same. One is not going to contradict the other, okay? So now the, the, the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit, 
So that means this, that they're still going to be directed just as if Jesus was directing them or as if God was directing them directly, right? So the same will as God is the same will that the Holy Spirit has. Why would God pour his spirit out on someone who is to give them supernatural ability to serve themselves? Why would he do that? Why would he, he go through the trouble of pouring his spirit out on a believer just for them to benefit themselves? He's poured out only on those who are willing to serve him. Watch this. Let me, let me see if I can clear this up. When you're born again, when you give your life to Christ and you're saved, the Bible calls it born again, it calls it being saved, it calls it being restored to God. It, we talk about going from spiritual death into spiritual. When that happens, God, God gives you his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you. We call it the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He comes to live inside of you. So when you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That's why before you were born again, you read the Bible, it, it read like Greek. But after you were born again, all of a sudden it made sense, right? That's just one example. But, but you, you notice something different about yourself after you're born again, and that's the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That, that portion of the Holy Spirit living inside of you is for you. You got to get this. That's for you. But then there's this other form or this other way that we receive the Holy Spirit. It's when he's poured upon us. That's what we've been reading about in chapter 2. When he's poured out on us, he baptizes us, completely submerges us in the Holy Spirit. Watch this. And that is for others. So you got the indwelling that's for you, and then you got the pouring out on top of you. That is for other people. So why would God pour his spirit out on you if you're not willing to serve? If you're not willing to share? If you're not willing to preach? If you're not willing to open your mouth? If you're not willing to share your story? If you're not willing to do those things, then you don't need the power of the Holy Spirit. But the minute you get willing... He says, oh, I'll take some of that willingness and I'll pour my power on it and we'll make this whole thing super. So, just so you know, when you're asking for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what you're really asking for is power to serve others. Do you see that? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is for you. The pouring out is for others. You got to get this. Because some people want to be filled with the Holy Ghost for themselves. They have no intentions for others. No intentions to, to mess up their schedule. No intentions to get out of their comfortable place. No intentions to disrupt their life. They just want to get the Holy Ghost for themselves. And they don't want to try to serve anybody else. They don't want to try to serve Jesus or preach the gospel. So what we see is that a servant is rewarded with the opportunity to participate in the moves of God. Do you know that's part of the reward? Is that we get to participate in the moves of God? Think about that for a minute. Like God Almighty would use us to move on the earth. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about, God says, I'll, I'll share my glory with you. 
but you're also going to share in my sufferings. I can't leave that part out. <laughs> but he says, oh, you can share in my glory. That means this, that when, it, when God touches the planet and you're there, people see you too. Now, don't get addicted to that because you can get yourself in trouble because it's still God's glory. He just chose to share some of it with you. But that's a reward for the servant is that we get to participate in the moves of God on the planet. Does that make sense? So number one, there's a new boldness. Number two, there's a, a servant's reward. Number three, here comes a truth bomb. How many of you like to be told the truth? <laughs> one amen. <laughs> a truth bomb. Watch this. Peter uses others to set the record straight. Now, you got you to understand this. 50 days ago, Jesus died on the cross. He was taken down from the cross, put in the grave. Stone was rolled in front of the grave. Guards were placed outside the, 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 the grave to make sure that the disciples didn't do anything crazy. What most people don't know in this time is that Jesus walked out of the grave. <laughs> the angel came, rolled the stone away. Jesus got up and walked out of the grave. So, so 50 days after that happens, there's still a lot of confusion going on. Is Jesus dead? Is Jesus alive? Was Jesus the Messiah? Was he not? Remember when he died on the cross, the earth shook. The big old, um, the big old uh, curtain in the temple tore in half, right? And all kind of, I mean, the sky went pitch black the moment he died. So people had to be asking the question, was he really the Messiah? Even the guy next to him on the cross, next to him, got saved in that moment. He had a revelation of who Jesus was. But 50 days later, there's still a lot of confusion. Is Jesus alive? Is he still in the grave? Did the disciples steal him? What's the rumors? All kind of conspiracy theories going on, right? Peter steps forward to set the record straight. He uses Joel and he uses David from the Old Testament to set the record straight. And I want to show you that today. So he uses Joel. Watch how he uses Joel. We'll get into this. In, well, we, just, we just saw that. He uses Joel to explain what's happening right then and there. That's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He said, what you see happening now, let me help you understand that, is what Joel said, because they all knew Joel, is what Joel said. So he, 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 he confirmed what was happening with Old Testament prophecy. Okay? Then he uses David to explain that Jesus would not be defeated by death and that the grave couldn't hold him. To explain the resurrection, David had prophesied way back in the Old Testament that, that, that death would not hold Jesus, that his body would not be corrupted in the grave. And so he pulls from that to give him that to confirm that Jesus has risen from the grave. Then he pulls from David again to explain where Jesus is now. Because you can explain, okay, Jesus rose, so then everybody's going, well, where's he at? <laughs> right? Like, like, where's he at? Is he in Jerusalem? Is he in Samaria? Like, where's Jesus at? You say he rose from the grave. Where's he at? Well, then he explains with Old Testament prophecy that Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, come on, in heaven. So Peter does an excellent job of setting the record straight. Can I tell you, this might be one of the most important reasons why you need to read your Bible, why you need to study your Bible, because you, you're going to run into some people that their story ain't straight. They got some crooked theology. 
Come on, somebody. They got some people who believe some weird stuff out there. If you don't believe me, start sharing your story, and they're going to tell you some stuff will blow your mind. You'll learn quickly, right? But you need to know your Bible. You need to study your Bible. You need to dig into your Bible. Why? So your theology's straight. So when you run into somebody with some crooked theology or a crooked story, you can set it straight. Does that make sense? In a loving, gentle kind of way. Come on, somebody. So we need to present people with the truth. And watch this. And then they have to deal with the shrapnel of it. I don't save anybody. Jesus does the saving. I do the speaking. Can it really be that simple? I speak under the anointing of God and the truth comes into somebody else's life and I smile and wave, boys, have a great day. And then Jesus deals with them and now they got to deal with the truth that they just heard. It's not my responsibility to stand there and watch them and, and see it transform. Drop the seed and move on. But sometimes we worry too much about what people think or how they're going to receive it or what they're going to talk about us afterwards and what they're going to say on social media and, and, and then will they ever talk to us again. So what? If you get, when you get to heaven and they're in heaven, I guarantee you, you were the one that planted the seed, they going to come talk to you. <laughs> right? So watch this. The truth is more valuable than your opinion. Lives change with truth and not with ideas and opinions. So you don't have to get caught up in the feelings of giving the truth. Just present it and smile. Watch verse 36. Peter speaking, he says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? So Peter, Peter had to make sure something was certain in their hearts. He said, let me, let me make something really clear to you today. This Jesus... God's made him both Lord and Messiah. So he wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He is Lord and Messiah. So he nails down the certainty of that. Then he says this, whom you crucified. So Peter, remember, we're bordering on the edge of disrespect. That with that boldness, it's, it's, it's pushing the boundaries of disrespect. Peter looks at him and goes, whom you crucified. That got all up in their grill. That's truth. Because whether they were directly uh, connected or not, they were still responsible for Jesus being crucified. You see it? So Peter didn't hold anything back. There was no sugarcoating, no tiptoeing around the truth. You got to understand this, that if somebody's in the water and they're drowning, they don't need a deflated life raft, right? So people don't need you to sugarcoat nothing. They don't need you to tiptoe around nothing. You can be polite, you can be kind, you can be gentle, but you need to speak the truth. Come on. So this truth that Peter preached demanded a response. 
And he preached it. Listen to how he preached it. He preached it like their life depended upon it. He preached it like he would never see them again and they would never get the chance to hear it again. What if you got up tomorrow morning and you went into the world that you normally go into that you're kind of dreading already to go back into and you just had a mindset shift where you said, you know what, I may never see these people again. They may never hear me again. I'm the one who has the gospel living inside of me. I got the good news. I got the power from on high. What if I just go into work tomorrow like I'm never going to see these people again and I just go and give them the truth like they're never going to hear it again. Like this is the last time they'll ever hear it. If you'll shift it here and here, it'll shift when it comes out of here. And you can tell them the same thing you've been telling them, but when you got confidence backing that up and you got the anointing of God backing that up, it does just like what Peter did. It demands a response. So look at what happened. They responded, what must we do? Can you hear the urgency in their voice? What must we do? I mean, what a response to tell them, to tell them, hey, this is why this is happening. Joel said this was going to happen. David said Jesus was, was going to raise from the grave and the grave couldn't hold him. David also said that, that Jesus is going to sit at the right hand of the father. All those things have taken place and his words pierce their heart. And then they go, what must we do? Can you hear the urgency in their voice? What must we do? I had a friend one time who, who we were with some other friends, and he said something to another friend, and I saw it. It hurt him. It hurt this other guy. And so a little while later, I got him by himself. I said, bro, I said, you didn't have to say that that way. I said, you said that about him or to him or you said that thing. And I said, it hurt him. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it hurt him. I just gave him the truth. The truth is you hurt this guy, right? And my friend goes, ah. Oh, Man, I wasn't trying to do, like, what do I need to do? What do I do now? Like, help me fix this. You see the response? When the truth gets inside somebody, it demands a response. What, what do I need to do? So Peter drops a truth bomb. The fourth thing we see, and I'm going to wrap it up with this, is in verse 38. So they said, what must we do, right? They responded, what must we do? Watch what Peter says. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of, the G of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you, to your children, and those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 people. Notice it said Peter preached for a long time. Not going anywhere soon. Maybe it takes a long time to get into your heart. <laughs> so what did Peter say? What's this good news? Watch this. I'm going to show you the good news. First thing Peter said was to repent of your sins. 
which means to confess and turn away from your sins, to leave them behind. If you're walking in sin, and this is the direction of sin in your life, to repent means to turn, confess your sin, turn, and walk away from your sin. It's leaving it behind. Okay, I just want to make sure that's crystal clear. That's what it means to repent. Repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is an action. It's turning from, turning away from to something greater. That's repentance. I used to, I used to hurt my wife the same way all the time with some words I would say or, or things that I would bring up. And, and, and after a while, I would say, I'm sorry. And she'd say, and so after so many times, she'd look at me. She goes, I don't want to hear sorry anymore. Would you just shut up and do something about it? And I was like, uh, 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 I need to repent. <laughs> I'll never do that again, <laughs> right? That's repentance. So, so Peter says to repent of your sins means to turn away from them, to leave them behind. Then he said this, so important. Sometimes we miss this part. He says turn away from your sin, but he says to turn to God. We get in trouble because we, we don't have a, a real issue turning away from sin, but we got a real issue turning back to God. So we'll turn from our sin, but we'll stay with ourselves. And then shortly afterwards, we get in trouble all over again. And you wonder why you end up on this wash cycle that you've been on, right? Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Why? Because you're repenting, but you're turning only back to yourself. You're repenting or you're only turning back to others. Peter said, turn from your sin and turn back to God. In other words, it's a pursuit of God. It's going after God because he's the only one who can help you not do that thing again. Ah, turn to God. Else you'll be in trouble again. Pursue him. Don't just repent and stop. You ever have a washing machine break on you? They'll wash the dirt out your clothes. But they won't rinse nothing. Won't wring the water out. I had to throw away a perfectly good looking washing machine the other day that I paid like $1,200, $1,500 for because the stupid thing wouldn't finish the job. Turn from your sin. Turn back to God. It's a completion. Come on. It's a completion. Why do we struggle to turn back to God? Could it be because we have bad theology about God? Remember what I said when we were praying during worship this morning. You woke up to some brand new mercy. The Bible says that. Brand new mercy. Every morning when I put my feet on the ground, I go, whoo, fresh batch of mercy. Lord, I'm going to need it today. Anybody need mercy in the mornings, in the afternoons, <laughs> all day long? So Peter says, turn from your sins, turn to God, get your theology about, your theology about God straight. Jesus' blood still works today. Come on, somebody. And then he says this, be baptized. He's talking about water baptism to show the forgiveness of your sins. We did this two weeks ago, had an incredible time. I love water baptism, right? So powerful. To show that you've been washed and forgiven of your sins. 
Then he says this. Then. <laughs> Super complicated. So he says, repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized, then. So after you repent, turn, and baptized, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It can happen all at once, or it can happen over time. Many people share unique experiences. Do you see it? So let me ask you a question as we wrap this up. Why is that good news? Why is that called the good news? What's so good about that news? Let me see if I can explain to you what's so good about that news. Do you know what Peter's telling the Jews right here, the, the over 3,000 people that are getting ready to get saved? You know that what he's telling them is something that they get to do? Yeah, they need to do it, but they get to do it. So you got to come back to the place where we get to come back to God. Anybody can turn away from something, but not everybody gets the opportunity to turn back to God, but we do. We get to. That's the difference maker. That means this. That what Jesus did on the cross still applies today. What was accomplished on the cross can still be accomplished today. We get to. That's the good news. The good news is we get to turn away from our sins. We get to turn to God. We get to be baptized. We get to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to stay the same. Is that good news or what? I think that's good news. So would you bow your heads with me today? I want us to pray and give you an opportunity to respond. On that day, 3,000 people responded. I would imagine there was many more in the room or, or in, the, in the area who should have responded. There were probably some who were still trying to figure out if the apostles were drunk or not. There were probably some who were wrestling with some theology. But there was at least 3,000 who responded by turning from their sin, turning to God, getting baptized. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. You want to talk about a baptism service? That might have taken a little while. And then the preacher went long already. Peter preached long and the baptism was long. Come on. There's a correlation there. <laughs> so Father, today, right here in this moment, right here in this place, We thank you for the great message that Peter preached. Setting the record straight that, that you would pour out your spirit on your servants in the last days. That's today. And then God, Peter set the record straight that Jesus didn't stay in the grave, that he's alive today. It's the second time in, in the book of Acts where Jesus is getting proven alive so important we serve a living Christ 
And then Lord Peter set the record straight on where you sit today. I'm going to learn up in around chapter six where Stephen looks into heaven and he sees Jesus standing, not sitting at the right hand of the father. So Jesus, I thank you for sitting at God's right hand, giving your life the way you gave your life so that we could give ours the same way. Thank you that all of your promises have come true and they've been fulfilled promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to tell others about Jesus. God, I pray for a willingness over every one of us today. I pray for a mind shift and a heart change in this moment right now. Your words would pierce their hearts, all of our hearts today, that we would see the world around us differently. That every person I come into contact with is my responsibility. I have an obligation and an anointing to share my story and to present them with the truth. That's all I need to do. You do the rest. So God, I pray for a mind shift and a heart change. I pray for a boldness to come over us like we've never known before. Just like Peter, who only 50 days before this moment was denying that he even knew Jesus. God, I pray this boldness over us too. I pray that you would show us the servant's reward to live a life filled with your spirit. As one of my spiritual grandfathers says, with an open heaven. To live a life full of stories and full of testimonies of your goodness and how you've worked all day long. God, I pray that we'd, we'd fall in love with your moves more than our own accomplishments. I pray that the greatest joy at the end of our day would be that we were used by God and we saw the hand of God move. Not that we got all of our work complete and the house straightened up and supper cooked, but that somebody that day got to receive the love of God because I was willing and empowered to do so. I pray that over us today. pray we'll never be afraid to share the truth. We'll share it in love. Whether we need to push the boundaries of disrespect or not. Great boldness. History proves that with great boldness, moves of God are, are elevated and, and increased. You're looking for servants who are willing to go wherever you want them to go. Say whatever you want them to say and do whatever you want them to do. Would that be us today? God, fill us with your spirit. Pour the Holy Spirit out upon us today. That we would reach the world around us for your name and for your kingdom and for your glory. God, we love you today. grateful that we're saved that somebody presented us with the truth help us to turn around and do the same so not looking around every head bowed every eyes closed 
anybody here today want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior? Simply lift your hand. Just raise your hand if you want to receive Jesus. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?